1: In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions. Only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast.
2: What's the deal, Panther fans? Guess what? It's not Tuesday. It's Wednesday. Wednesday, folks. And we're here uh, as Panther fans on the intranets trying to get a feel for this team and the changes. And we're going to say, keep pounding. Wow. Uh, It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. And tonight is our Wednesday night show. What we're trying to do throughout this season is track down a beat writer for both teams going forward. Tonight we've got Shuler Callahan a uh, beat writer for the sports illustrated Panthers and also a West Virginia Mountaineer himself. You can find him at Callahan underscore. And at nine o'clock, we've got Alan Ulrich under the dome podcast to bring us more perspective about the saints that we will be playing this Sunday. So hey guys, we're hanging out here tonight. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. Tonight is the Saints at Panthers preview, and I'm hanging out with my co-host, Cody Lashney. Welcome back. Man, we just were hanging out. Actually, we may have hung out into the wee hours of the morning. We may have even seen each other this morning at 1201. (laughs)
3: We might have, man. Hey, This C3 Panther fandom, it don't stop, man. It knows no rest, especially uh, when we have the New Orleans Saints rolling into the bank and we have something to prove. Um, I'm pumped. We have uh, some good interviews uh, on tap for tonight. And, um, yeah, I believe one of our guests is even joining us now.
2: We we heard from Matt Rule today. We heard from uh, Taylor Moten today. Um, Those are the two I saw. Oh, and Sam Darnold. I saw tried tried it out today to do do the press conferences. So we have um, some things to talk about from that perspective, as well as this continued narrative of the missing keep pounding mantra at Bank of America Stadium, where there has been a fan upheaval, a straight fan upheaval at this point. Now, They are jousting with the Panthers organization about how to handle the fan experience. So we've got a lot, strangely, to talk about since we've been hanging out together last night. Go ahead and smash the thumbs up button. Subscribe to the C3 Panthers podcast, as well as this Friday, Friday free-for-all.
3: Oh yeah, Um, Friday free-for-all at 7 p.m. You can all come in and join uh, and talk to me and whoever else is on the show. About the Carolina Panthers, your opportunity to give us your takes and opinions on the team you love.
2: YouTube simulation dropping on Saturday. Um, oh yeah, and we've that got a bunch a of interviews. Yeah, we've got a bunch of interviews coming up next week. Let's go ahead and jump into the to tonight's show. Shuler Callahan, beat writer for the Carolina Panthers for Sports Illustrated, also West Virginia Mountaineer writer for mountainmaven.com. com. welcome shuler to the c3 panthers podcast by the way we're the longest running panthers podcast and we can't wait for you to be a part of it
1: hey guys i appreciate it it's uh it's a pleasure to be on and yeah just hit me up anytime
2: so
3: i think you muted yourself Tony. you muted yourself <laughs> don't
2: hit this sp- don't hit the space bar accidentally um, the Carolina Panthers are uh, coming off a win against the New York Jets as, and facing their first divisional opponents who, have all, who are also coming off a really decisive and many argue impressive win over the Green Bay Packers. Carolina Panthers in year of Matt, two of Matt Rule. Schuler. what's on your mind when it comes to the Carolina Panthers at this point in the season?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's kind of what we expected. You know, it wasn't going to be a perfect performance in week one by any means. And, you know, we just kind of expected them to get through that first week with a win. You knew there was going to be some good, some bad. Uh, defense was flying around like we all thought they would. And I think, you know, early indications are that they're going to be a team that could potentially or a unit that could potentially be a top 10 defense in the league. I, I still firmly believe that. Uh, it may have been the New York Jets, but they're they're gonna they're gonna cause havoc on a lot of teams, and I think this will be a good barometer for them uh, to to step up and show what they can do against the Saints offensively. Uh, you know, Darnold wasn't perfect, but I think he was good enough, and I think you're gonna start to see them kind of expand the playbook a little bit more this week against New Orleans. Thought they were kind of a little bit vanilla in that first week against the Jets, so we'll see what they do um, here in week two. But I'm excited about Sam Darnold. I think he's got a, a bright future and. I know people aren't, you know, necessarily high on him, but you know, I think it's, it's kind of a, a wait and see th- for them. And uh, like I said, for the longest time, you know, for Darnold, this was a great opportunity to go to an organization that fully believes in you, trusts in you, has the weapons around you uh, to allow you to be successful. For the Carolina Panthers, it's kind of a TBD. We don't know if if he's going to be the answer for the future, but um, through one game, I thought he did what he was supposed to do. Sure. Look,
3: are we going to be depending on this defense – to come away with the W for us. I mean, I think, you know, you share the same sentiments that all of us Panther fans do and that this defense is nasty. They're fast, they fly around. You know, you said yourself they have the potential to be a top 10 defense, but the problem lies on the other side of the football with the Panthers offensive line and whether or not that O-line will be able to stand up against that Saints four-man rush do you think this is a good matchup for the Panthers offense with the Saints defense rolling into town? And how much do the absences of Marshawn Lattimore and Marcus Davenport uh, play into that matchup?
1: Yeah, I think anytime you you have those two guys out, it's definitely going to show up on the field. But when you have the depth that the Saints have at seemingly every position, sometimes they hide it better than others. I mean, you know the Saints really didn't have everybody last week against Green Bay and they they went out there and did their thing 38 to 3. So I think this week for Carolina, obviously they're gonna have a huge challenge up front with that offensive line or that defensive line. And I really don't think they're gonna fare too well, if I'm being honest. I mean, Cameron Irving and, and Pat Elfline on the left side just has not been consistent enough. And I don't know that they're gonna be able to hold up for an entire four quarters against that front. Um, but I think this is a good, like, like I said, a good measuring stick, not only for, you know, Sam Donald of this defense, but for that offensive line, where, where are some of these guys at? Uh, I, I was never a huge fan of Cameron Irving, um, in terms of him being a potential, you know, s- cemented guy at the left tackle spot. But again, you don't know until until you play the games, maybe he he finds, you know, some success here and, and maybe it works out, but, um, I think this is a very tough matchup for Carolina. I know they're getting him early in the season, and I know that the the rea- instant reaction was, oh, they just killed Green Bay. You know, here here comes the Saints rolling in, uh, you know, clicking on all cylinders, but this is going to be a tight ball game. I think Carolina has a chance to win, but it's going to start in the trenches. If they can give Darnold enough time to throw, I think he's going to have a decent day, but they have to be able to protect for him. And it can't just be the Christian McCaffrey show. He's got to be able to get the ball to Robbie Anderson, to DJ Moore, Terrace Marshall, Dan Arnold. But to be able to do that, they have to be able to protect. And I think that's what a big problem was last week. Uh, everyone just says, oh, you know, Darnold just checked down a lot. But he had to. That that was his really his only option sometimes. So, um, you know, Robbie Anderson had one catch, but it's not that they didn't, you know, design it that way. They They had, you know, three or four other looks for him, but they just wasn't there.
2: What are the top storylines for this team right now out of week one?
1: You know, is
2: that we've had the Sam Darnold storyline, the trade. We've had this round of Cam Newton. We've had, you know, I mean, there's been numerous speculation or many much speculation throughout the preseason. But after week one, what are the top storylines for the Carolina Panthers?
1: You know, I think outside of the big ones, um, Bro, are we, okay. we got to say kicker? God, yeah, I mean, isn't that ridiculous? The kicking <sighs> the kicking position is, is probably where I was going to go. I mean, you're on your third kicker, Joey Sly, then <laughs> Ryan Contoso, Zane exactly. Gonzalez. At least the good thing for Gonzalez is since the Panthers signed him off of Detroit's practice squad, he has to remain with the team for at least a minimum of three weeks, which I don't think a lot of people knew that. Um, so even if he struggles – and maybe Dominic Eberle overtakes him, he still has to remain with the team in some fashion uh, for that, that amount of time. So he's got a little bit of protection. He's got a little security. Um, I don't know if he's going to be the guy, but that's got to be a position they've got to get nailed down. You don't want to have a rotating door at, at kicker. I know it sounds you know, like one of the least important positions on the field when you fill out your roster, but it, it's it can definitely win and lose you games. Um,
2: I saw a tweet, um, yeah. and I think it was from Unnecessary Bluntness Cody, that mm-hmm. said the Panthers are streaming uh, kickers like my fantasy team.
1: <laughs> yeah, is that I-
2: not like I mean that's ridiculous. Like I thought this is the best tweet I've seen in a minute. How Schuler can we be so uncertain at a position? That so many teams are certain at. I feel like we have. And a friend of mine sent me a message, Bill. He sent me a message and he said, I feel like we're becoming the Bucks <laughs> when it comes to the kicker. You remember, like they drafted kickers to try didn't to get
3: Gonzalez play for the Bucks at one point in time. If I'm not, maybe I'm thinking of something. I know he played for the Cardinals, I
2: know he played for the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, I think he uh. Or maybe that was Aguayo, Roberto Aguayo. Yeah, that Roberto
2: Aguayo was one, but they had even messes before that. That guy had the yips. I don't know if Zane – I saw Zane missing kicks for Arizona is the Pat Coltrane video I saw to like a clown story. Why, 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 why is it this bad this
1: quickly? You know, it's kind of – It's hard to really describe because, I mean, it sounds so cliche. It sounds so easy to do, but it's kind of a mind game. And I I really felt like Joey Sly wasn't terrible last year. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, he had, I think, three kicks or maybe more that were, you know, 55, maybe 60 yards or more. I mean, some of those were just never going to happen. You just – threw him out there to hopefully make the kick. I know one was against the Saints and maybe the Chiefs was another one. He
2: had two sixty yeah. plusers.
1: Yeah, two sixty plus yard kicks. I mean that's that's something not even most kickers do in, in five years. So I, I don't know. I think he kind of felt the pressure in the offseason. He was dealing with some of that mental um you know he was he was trying to get a little bit tougher mentally, trying to overcome that adversity, overcome that pressure. I just don't think he ever did he ever did. I think he he felt that pressure from the organization by bringing in kicker after kicker, whether it was this guy or that guy. It always seemed like last year they were always trying to provide him with competition. And I, when they brought in Zane Gonzalez earlier this year, I mean, Gonzalez was almost dang near perfect when he was here. And it kind of made it, you know – Joey Sly kind of kick it up in another gear. Oh,
2: Eberly, I mean Eberly, Eberly or whatever his name was. Well,
1: they they brought in Gonzalez during mini camp.
2: Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Guns...
1: Oh, I did yeah. Not so we have some them. prior experience oh with them. God. Yes. Yeah. That he kicked the ball. What a now. disaster!
2: This makes it even more of a disaster. Yeah, we it need really does. Jake Verity. We need Jake Verity, former ECU pirate, who's been killing it with uh, the Ravens. Anyway, sorry, I yeah, missed sure that guy on training camp.
3: Shula, why do you think they've kicked this can down the road so much? I mean, at one point in time, they were all in on Joey Sly, and, and he was the guy until he starts, you know, being very inconsistent in preseason and in training camp. And then I don't know what your personal opinion on this is, but I felt like Santoso didn't really even get a real opportunity to uh, actually compete to be the starting kicker for the Panthers. He missed one extra point. And then there was a bunch of other times when the Panthers didn't even trust him, even when it was, the ball was on the Jets' 33-yard line. So yeah. it, I, I, what's behind this, this, tepid, this trepidation from the kicker position? And do they just not have a trustworthy guy, so they're just willing to kind of reshuffle the deck as needed? They're streaming. What, what's, <laughs> yeah, what, what's going on with this uh, hesitancy around the kicker
1: position? Yeah, so, I mean, with with Sly, I think the writing was kind of on the wall. Everyone knew that that was just – it was just a matter of when for for Joey Sly to move on. I mean, he was just not – he just needed a fresh set, you know, of of scenery or whatever the case may be to get him back on right. And he did well in the first week with the Texans. But um, with Santoso, I think it was more of a throughout-the-week thing because he wasn't being consistent enough. Um, throughout the week during practice to where they had that confidence when they get into a game, you get to the 33-yard line that you felt comfortable with him to to, to trot him out there and kick the field goal. So, you know, I think part of that also had to do with, you know, the defense, how good the defense was playing at that point. You you have a kicker that doesn't have a ton of experience in the NFL, don't really know what he's going to be able to do, and you're playing field position at that point. So the defense playing so well, I think he made the right decision on that, even though it kind of was kind of a, a head scratcher. But, you know, Santos has a big leg. I just think, you know, when you look at the preseason, I mean, his very first field goal, it it had us all laughing. I know. The it box. bounced off. Yeah, uh, You yeah. can see the, the
2: nervousness on his face kind of wash away for a second. And then Joey slides over there Yeah, sweating bullets <laughs> on the other side. All right, I do have to change this conversation from kickers. Good Lord, <laughs> Isn't it maddening when that's what we're talking about? Why don't we talk about something even more maddening, the Carolina Panthers' offensive line? No,
1: it's bad.
2: Something that we have not been able to fix for a long while. And Cam um, Irving, to be honest, I thought played okay in his debut. I know that people are down on him. But the problem with this offensive line is that it got bullied. It just, they didn't miss their blocks. They just got pushed backwards all the time. So as we go forward against the Saints with an effective pass rush, right? what do you expect as the Carolina Panthers are going to get, I guess, John Miller back, right? I believe this week. Um, Dennis Daly feels more comfortable on the left side. How do you expect this Panthers offensive line to improve? Do you expect them to improve? I hope that week 1 is them trying to find a way to gel.
1: Yeah, I mean, usually the most improvement you see is from week 1 to week 2, right? So hopefully that's that's something that happens this week, but the offensive line's really beaten up right now. You know, Pat Elfline's dealing with an injury. John Miller's coming back off COVID. You don't know how that effects going to be um it's, it's kind of going to just play itself out throughout the week. I wouldn't be shocked if we get to Sunday and, and Dennis Daly starting at left guard in place of Elfline and Miller's in at right guard, or maybe Brady Christian, Brady Christensen kicks into right guard. They've you know they've had that as a possibility as well. So it's hard to tell. Um, as far as Cameron Irving goes, I thought he did okay too. Um, there was, I think, two, at least two plays. I know uh, maybe three where he got put on skates pretty badly. Right. Who that was? I think maybe in Franklin Myers, but his biggest thing is he's, he's just got to stay disciplined. He can't get over aggressive um, in, in in his protections and stuff. And I think that'll all kind of come with with more comfort in the offense and knowing you know what those guys next to him or to the right of him are going to do. So we'll see if they improve. It's going to be a big task, obviously, to do that against this front, but we'll see.
3: Sure. I've been a uh, I'm saying uh, for a, a long time now that I think Deontay Brown and Brady Christensen need to be a part of the starting offensive line. Um, I, I think that Ron Rivera showed a propensity when he was our head coach to not play the younger players in favor of the older veterans, and I kind of feel like uh, Matt Rule and Federer and the brass are kind of doing uh, a similar thing right now. I mean we've we've now heard it from you. About how bad, uh, you know, uh, Pat Elfling has been. Uh, Many people in the media and fans alike have not expressed a lot of confidence in Cam Irving and Pat Uh, Elfling. Even uh, Matt Paradis is kind of included into this conversation as well. Why is this so obvious for Panther fans, and, and yet our coaches have this real strong belief in the guys? that they brought in? Is it just an, an ego thing? And these are the guys that they brought in to play a meaningful role on the offensive line this year. So therefore that's who they're going with, or are these rookie guys like Deontay Brown and Brady Christensen, maybe just not up to speed in the playbook yet. What's, what's going on here with their choices and who they start on the offensive line.
1: Yeah. So with Deontay Brown, they're, they're trying to get him to where he's physically ready. To take on a full game's worth of snaps. Right now, he's probably about halfway there, maybe a little bit over halfway, which is why he was he was inactive last week. And they elevated Sam Tecklenburg up as the backup center, mainly to have another center available. But um, Deontay Brown, he came in when they drafted him, I think he was like 360, 365 pounds. He's dropped down into the 330s. So he's well on his way, but he's still got to, now he's going to learn how to play with that weight and how to maneuver it and, and stuff like that. It, it seems very easy, but when you lose all that weight, it, it changes your speed, it changes your sense of direction, it changes everything. So he's just got to get brought up to speed physically. I think he's getting closer and closer. Probably another couple of weeks we'll see him rotated in onto the field, and maybe even this week, depending on the health status of, of Elfline and Miller and everybody else. But um, and then as far as Bertie Christensen – They really seem stuck on him being at right tackle. I don't think they have any interest at all moving him over to left side. Um, I don't know why that is. He does have experience at left tackle. I get that he doesn't have the the longest arms in the world. He's probably not the most athletic left tackle in the world if they were to put him there. But, I mean, at some point I think you have to give it a shot because I think they don't want to move Taylor Moten either. I think they are stuck with him staying at right tackle. And if you're going to keep Taylor Moulton at right tackle, you might as well move Brady Christensen to the left side because if not, he's just going to sit there. So they've, they've got to find a home for Brady.
3: Yeah, I want, you- but I want to double down just on that last thing that he mentioned is the left tackle, right tackle position. And, you know, if they view Brady Christensen as a long-term right tackle, which is where Taylor plays, does that mean that in, in the long-term there's potential that Taylor Moulton – could be our future left tackle? Because in my mind, that's been an inevitability for a long time now, especially considering Taylor Moulton is listed as the backup left tackle as
1: it is right now. Yeah, I mean, I think he could be. I mean, they, they've obviously worked him there during mini camp at OTAs, training camp, all that stuff. Um, so there, there's a possibility, yeah, for sure. But I think they really like him on the right side, mainly because they know – how good he can be on the right side and to flip all that, you know, you're going to have to change basically when you go from the right side to the left side, you're flipping the entire, you know, your, your entire movement, what your assignment is because of the play, you're going in a different direction. Honestly, it seems a little bit easier for guys to go from guard to tackle or tackle to guard on one side, than to flip from the right side to the left side or vice versa. So if he's their best option in the future, if they can't get anybody in free agency or they don't nail anybody in the draft, I would see them probably moving Taylor over at left tackle if they if that becomes evident, if that's, if that's their best option.
3: Cool. Tony, go ahead.
2: Uh, the Panthers' offense stalled in the second half, right? We come um, a, a slow start for the offense in the first quarter. The defense – was stunning generating pressure at every moment it felt like and then all of a sudden Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson connected DJ Moore making these flying wonderful catches putting up somewhat of 200 yards passing in the second quarter alone we come out of the half 16 nothing and punt the ball every time some miscues miscues miscommunications but Panther fans have uh, interpreted that third quarter performance or lack thereof, people have been going back to last year where problems in the red zone, problems in the two-minute, problems with an explosive offense. And we saw Sam Darnold be pretty good, I thought. We, um, but Panther fans have circled back to Joe Brady here. They want to know what is going on when it comes to – we were told that Joe Brady is going to be the next best thing since sliced bread, since he came out of that LSU offense. Ed Ogeron is over there crying all day long, begging for Brady to come back. What is going – when When will the Panthers find the red zone?
1: They'll find the red zone more often. They'll be more efficient in there when they get a good offensive line, I think. I mean, that's that's just the end of Really that's the-, the
2: worst. That's the answer we don't want to hear because that means yeah. never. We're never gonna find the end zone then.
1: Exactly. So I mean, to be honest with you, you know, the, the fumble. I mean, that's that's not a Joe Brady thing. That's just you know Sam Darnold going, coming out too wide on the handoff. Richie sticking his his, his elbow out. Um, there was another instance I think where Darnold had Tom- Ian Thomas in the middle of the end zone. It was a drop ball. So And and Rule talked about this today, too. He felt like it was more a lack of execution than anything um, because the plays were there. They just didn't execute. So we'll see. Yeah, they they had troubles last year, but that was a whole different group, a personnel group. They didn't have Christian McCaffrey, but all three games. And when you have that taken out of your game plan, it changes everything you do. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think they're going to be fine. I think Joe Brady is going to be a good offensive coordinator. He's going to be a head coach someday. Um, I don't know if it's going to be anytime soon, but they're going to have to fix this stuff up if they want to make a push for the playoffs because if they don't fix those things up, such as the red zone or two-minute end of half, it's going to be hard for them to win ball games. But at least the one good thing is they didn't look good in the second half, but they, they did complete that two-minute drive at the end of the first half, which was nice to see.
3: Are the Panthers equipped on defense – to really stop this Saints running game? Because I think you know, if we were to verbalize our fear is that Panther fans right now think we have an incredible defense only to go up against the Saints and find out that it's not as good as we thought it did, right? Now, we're riding high right now, but to me, the strength of the New Orleans Saints is they can run the football at will. They have Alvin Kamara. They have a veteran offensive line. Um, and that allows them to be able to not have to put the ball in James's hands so much. Are the Panthers equipped to shut down the Saints offensive line and specifically that rushing attack with Alvin Kamara?
1: It, I don't know if they're going to necessarily shut him down or maybe slow him down. But I think the biggest thing for for the, for the Panthers is don't let anybody else have big days too because – if, if Kamara is going to get his touches, he's going to get his yards, whether it be the rushing game or the passing game. But if you have these other guys, a receiver, tight end, just carving you up left and right, that that's when you're going to have a, a big problem. Um, but as far as do they have the pieces, I think they do. I mean, this is a completely different-looking defense than what we saw last year. There's better push-up front from the defensive line. You're getting more pressure from the linebackers with the son Reddick now. And and also, Brian Burns is kind of a hybrid, Um, and then I think Shaq Thompson is just playing much better. I mean, he looked better in preseason and training camp, and you saw that in game one—probably his best game he's ever played. And if he can, it is.
2: I would not wear this dude's jersey. Look, I bought this jersey before he played a single snap, (laughs) and I've been waiting for. I, I got to the point just last year. I said, "I'm. I can't do it anymore." And he came out and had that game, bro. And I had, and everybody in the chat said, "You got to wear the jersey now." Now I've worn it two nights in a row. Shaq had, finally, five years later, a hundred bazillion dollars later, he has met expectations for one game. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think it's really got to deal with the supporting cast too. I mean, I think right. that- We Luke- saw this
2: with Luke Kuechly right is that uh in those uh, the back two years of his career where you know you were wondering is he slowing down is he is his head you know you're wondering these things but part of it we kept coming back to was the defensive tackles weren't getting it done and it made their job just so ridiculously tough and i think it was either Matt Rule i think Matt Rule said this today is that we've got the talent to let him play a little bit more freely
1: yeah i mean especially when you have you know, Daquan Jones in there, who's got a ton of NFL experience. I mean, last right. year we were rotating in Bravion Roy, a rookie. They had um, – I can't even remember. There was a couple of uh, guys that they elevated from the practice squad um, at times to go in there. So, when you have guys that have good gap discipline, that really helps out the linebackers. And then when – it's kind of a trickle effect. The defensive line helps linebackers. linebackers helps the corners. Corners helps the safety. So, I think it's all just kind of starting to mesh together. And now that you have Hassan Reddick on that defense too, there's a lot. It's amazing. There's a lot to account for.
2: Um, Cody, I'm going to get my last question in, then we're going to – we've got Alan Ulrich coming in just a minute or two to help us preview the Saints. We're here with Shuler Callahan uh, from SI Panthers beat writer – Sports Illustrated is also a Mountaineer fan and Mountaineer writer. Uh, when it comes to the Carolina Panthers defense, can we saw an injury come with Miles Hartsfield, is on my mind. Right, is that now we brought Corn Elder Corn on the squad? As I saw Jim Zoki say it, uh, he's on the practice squad. But next week we have to make it through this week. AJ Bouye is coming. Coming to town, um, and uh, finishing out his serve, he's got he's in prison. He's in a uh, PED prison at this point, but he's finishing his last game. Will he make a difference for this exciting defense, or is Corn Elder going to be the difference maker?
1: I think definitely Boye. I think he's. This is really kind of like the first time since that Pro Bowl year that he had or All Pro year, whatever it was. Uh, when he was at Jacksonville, that I think he's really been set up for success because you look at the defenses he's been on since, I mean, they're they're kind of suspect in terms of the secondary help that he had. So when you got guys like Dante Jackson, JC Horn, and, and Jeremy Chen, I mean, that's a pretty good complimentary group. So um, I think you're going to see A.J. Boye make his way into the starting lineup. And I know it kind of, you know, freaks people out and say, oh, Dante or Jace, he's not going to start. They're going to start three corners, I think. They're going to have three guys on the field. And um, they, they did that a lot during mini camp and OTAs. So I think they feel comfortable. I think that's how they feel they're going to get the best 11 on the field to have those three on the field. Uh, but as far as Corn Elder, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a, a guessing game, really. I think he's, he's kind of been brought in right now to kind of gap that one week in between now and right the returns. Shuler, do you
3: have a, a, a prediction for how you think this is uh, this game is going to go? I don't know uh, if you're allowed to give your official predictions or not, but yeah. uh, do, do you have a, a feel for how you think this this game is going to go?
1: Yeah, um, I'll release my, my score prediction on our site, which may change from this moment. But uh, as of right now, I'm going to go – I'm going to say Saints 24 seven Carolina 23. I think it's, it's just not quite there yet for Carolina, but I think that it's going to be a really good game. And I think you're going to see a lot of positives come out of this one, even though it'll end up being a loss.
2: Fantastic work, Schuler. Tell them how they can find you. Obviously they can find you at sports illustrated beat writer for the Carolina Panthers for sports illustrated, but how can they find you on social media as well as if they're interested in West Virginia football, go ECU pirates.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's you follow, terrible. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Callahan underscore, and then you can follow the uh, Panthers site at SI underscore Panthers. And if there is West Virginia fans out there uh, listening, you, you can follow us at SI underscore WVU.
2: Thank you so much for your time tonight, man. I hope we can have you back on the C3 Panthers
1: podcast. Absolutely, guys. Appreciate it, fellas. Just let me know.
3: Thank you, man.
2: You're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com where every week we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. We do it on Tuesday nights on the longest running Panthers podcast, 9 p.m. But we got all this content coming to post-game show where it is lit as a mofo. I'm telling you, the post-game show is where it's at. We got the Freak for All, I mean, Friday (laughs) Free-for-All on Friday. We've got YouTube simulations, and tonight we're going to be jumping into this Saints. We got a Saints insider here. My boy, my pal, Alan Ulrich. Come on and bring him in, Cody. Alan, welcome Mm -hmm. to the C3 Panthers podcast. uh, Glad to be here. I I enjoy y'all's podcast. It's very entertaining. Are Thanks you, um, first of all, with it was Ida, right? Was it yep. Ida? It was Ida. Are you okay? Uh,
0: I've Is had, your house destroyed? I had two trees on it. Yeah. Two uh, mm. 50 foot nah. um, water oaks. Yeah. So I had to get wow. my, uh, my garage and my front room. But I mean, we are probably, you living
2: with your in laws right now?
0: No, I'm actually living in an Airbnb in beautiful Cecilia, Louisiana. Uh, about wow. two hours away from New Orleans. So yeah. Yeah. Uh last Saturday we went and gutted the garage and front room, but we were planning on doing renovations to our house
2: anyway. Just not this extensive. Right. Right. Uh, wow, man. Yeah. How bad did, how bad did, did it affect the city? The city itself, not that badly. Um, I live in the
0: suburbs, so I'm was I'm uh west of the city and when you as you start moving west and you go what they call down the bayou, uh Cocodry, Fushan, um, Chack Bay, Pornishan, all those areas that are fishing towns and things like that, cut off where Bobby Aber is from. Um, they really got nailed. Um, that's where the storm came up. And it 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 never lost its strength because it went through what we call brown water or brackish water. So that's what made it even worse. Um, for New Orleans, a doomsday scenario is it takes a, a Betsy path, which is going up the mouth of the river. So it's const the, the eye of the storm is constantly over the water, not ga- not losing any strength. Uh, for down the bayou, coming up through those bayous like that, that's what's deadly for them. And you're talking about 150 mile an hour winds uh, around. Yeah, the it eye was wall.
2: Uh, it was like a high high wind. It was like yeah. cat 4 or something right yeah cat it was a cat 4
0: cat 4 and it wasn't much of a, a, a rainmaker it was a windmaker right yeah and, uh, that's what really i mean my wife teaches high school in Destrehan in St. Charles Parish and uh, it tore the roof off her building and took out one one wall uh you know so i mean she they don't know when they're going to have school again
2: we're not immune from from hurricanes ourselves here in eastern north carolina and for us is the for me the high wind ones are it's like more immediate destruction and if Mm -hmm. you're kind of in the worst of it it does a lot the water ones though here yeah what yeah Yeah. we have and and you guys are lower than us and water is even worse for you guys so Mm -hmm. it's and I'm not trying to diminish the wind one, but Kirk God. I mean, is that it just depth? I don't know. You know what? Natural disasters are disasters. Yes. And they yeah. affect people's lives terribly and it's tough. Um, so we are, um, we're thinking about you guys down there. My wife has uh, two br- uh, cousins that live in new Orleans themselves and thankfully they're okay. One of them parked his car on the fourth deck of a parking garage. I don't know how he did that. I don't know where he found the parking garage, but good guy. Uh, so look, they had to move the game. Yeah. To what, what was it in Jacksonville? Florida? It was in Jacksonville. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't, the dome was untouched. They did
0: for Katrina. They used the dome as a shelter last resort. Right. And so it, the inside got trashed as bad as the outside, because then the roof leaked and it just got to be a nightmare. Uh, But the Dome was untouched. So the Dome could host the game, but the infrastructure couldn't hold it. People didn't have power. police are, you know, stretched out. Uh, You got utility people all over the place. So uh, they are supposed to be back for the Giants game, which is in two weeks, I believe. Uh, I think it's the end of September, first week of October. So it's
2: not like the Katrina year. They will be back in the Dome. The Saints opened up the season with what was it, a 33 to 3 win? What was it? 38 to
0: 3.
2: 38 to 3, because yeah. they didn't get to make the 28 to 3 joke No, uh, on the Falcons. No. But it- I heard one Saints fan described this 38 to 3 win over the Green Bay Packers as the greatest opener in Saints history. I felt ridiculous when he said that. I was like, I mean, really the greatest opener. But that's what he said. The greatest first game in the history of the Saints happened this week.
0: You'd be hard pressed to find a, a, a season opener that could top that one. I mean, they beat the Dallas Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson's first game, 28 to nothing. And that was back in 1989. And that was a great season opener um in 2009, the Super Bowl year, they beat the they beat the Lions breeze through six touchdown passes. But I think as far as just total domination of a league MVP and a team that was in the NFC championship the just what nine months ago, uh, I, I think from that standpoint, yeah, it, it was probably one of the greatest openers uh, in in franchise history and they haven't won very many of them. Uh, the Saints haven't gone 2-0 since 2013. Uh, we, even these past four seasons, we've either gone 0-2 or 1-1 and and not looked very good in the, in those first couple of games. So, you know, I can see that the hyperbole has some justice in this.
3: Alan, so, you know, Tony mentioned he has some cousins in, in New Orleans. Um, I actually have most of my family. Uh, is is from louisiana i have aunts that live in uh i have one who lives in st francisville so yeah we yeah. we definitely have been monitoring all these uh hurricanes very closely but it also brings me to this whenever the panthers play the saints man these family blood football rivalries man, <laughs> they, they go deep me and my brother have already been talking so much about this football game and we're so excited for it and you know, kind of piggybacking off of what you said, the Saints normally don't have, uh, don't go two and zero very often. No, and I'm sure it would be a big feather in their cap to do it on the road against the division rival Carolina Panthers. I want to ask what your what matchups you are specifically interested in coming into this matchup against the Carolina Panthers. Have you had a chance to look at our defense or our offense, and are there any areas where you think your team might potentially be vulnerable um in some areas against the Panthers.
0: Um yeah, I, I, I watched uh well unfortunately I only watched the NFL red zone highlights of y'all's game. Um but I did if I would if I were to say the advantage the Saints have, they have a um uh, an advantage over you guys on the on the lines, offensive and defensive lines. Um I I you know what you saw last week with Aaron Rodgers Um, we saw a lot of that in preseason completely eliminating the run and then getting after the passer. The difference you guys have compared to other teams is of course, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, you might be able to take Christian McCaffrey away in the running game, but if he gets out in space, even as good as our linebackers are, and I'm talking about DeMario Davis and Quan Alexander, um, it's hard. It, it McCaffrey's a matchup nightmare. He's like Alvin Kamara for for you yeah. guys. You know, it, it's a matchup nightmare. So, I think that's where you guys could really exploit our team. And I think, you know, as good as our secondary played last week, Marshawn Lattimore had a thumb injury. Um, he is supposed to have surgery this week, so he'll probably not be in the game. Um, so you're going to have Paulson Adebo, who's a third round draft pick, on one side and probably newly acquired uh, Bradley Roby from the Texans starting in Lattimore spot with the old Falcons defensive back um, uh, Desmond Trufant kind of in reserve. So, uh, you know, those guys matched up against uh, DJ Moore and uh, Anderson, you know, there's a, there's a possibility that if your quarterback has the time that he can exploit some mismatches out there because McCaffrey is going to draw
2: so much attention. Speaking of Christian McCaffrey, one of the discussions uh, that Panther fans have a lot is the value of a running back mm-hmm. um, and how much we paid him. Both um, Kamara and McCaffrey signed mega deals in the same year, right around the same time. Both are the sort of multiple players, not sort of, both multiple players that um, are dynamic and my argument is is that they're more than just a running back they're sort of this kind of transcendent position but um there are a lot of panther fans that are concerned about the amount of carries touches and plays that the carolina panthers give to christian mccaffrey there's this stat from 2019 where he played like 99 point like he took like one playoff in the entire season My interest is this. Is there any discussion among Saints fans who have a similar investment in Alvin Kamara? Have you heard any talk about we're concerned about the workload we give Alvin Kamara? Because I feel like Panther fans are too much on this workload joint, but it's a big deal among our fans protecting Christian McCaffrey, who has had one injury, basically one year with yeah. injury. So is Alvin Kamara, one yeah. year struggle with this. Is there a discussion among Saints fans about protecting Alvin Kamara? <laughs> you know, it's funny because it's a division. I don't think it exists. I don't. I have a. I have a crazy theory. Well, not a crazy theory. I don't think it exists. Like it no, exists among th- us.
0: There, there are some people who think Alvin Kamara doesn't get the ball enough.
2: You know, I mean, (laughs) but
0: I think they have him on their fantasy team too. I mean, when he scored, he won my
2: championship last year in a keeper league, bro. In that last game where he scored the five or six, six touchdowns on
0: Christmas Day, and people were pissed off.
2: I retired his cleats last year, bro.
0: But they were angry that Peyton gave Taysom Hill one of the touchdowns because they scored seven on the ground. They're like, Camara should have got it. he could have broke uh Gail Sayers record. And I'm going, dude, you know what it, it, outside of fantasy football, I look at it from the real football standpoint. I it there is a concern for me that he gets he gets too many touches, but the man has this incredible workout, uh this balancing <laughs> stuff he does. It's amazing. It,
2: he's Didn't like he? Wasn't he the guy that drug like he was dragging these weights down the street? This was like yeah. five years. He was a rookie, and he had the sled, and he was pulling it yeah. down the road he, or something he, stupid.
0: He, he pulled a Jeep uh, with a weight bar on it. He, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, yeah. He, he gets on this medicine ball-looking thing. They got a platform. He stands on it, and they're tossing him balls while he's standing on it, too. So, I mean, it's these bizarre workout videos that show up on Twitter – and uh, yeah, he's he, he 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 does an incredible job staying uh staying flexible. And you saw that this past weekend, um, when they Winston threw that bad pass to him on third and short. Oh, and where he did, he did that twist. turnaround
2: catch, yeah, he, he did that, that was yeah. insane, bro. Yeah, I mean, he's amazing, it, it, he but I think Christian McCaffrey is easily at his level. And arguably when you look at, Mm -hmm. I think Christian McCaffrey's explosiveness and speed. And I know that people are saying that against McCaffrey, I think he might have a hair on him right now, but I know I'm a fan. (laughs) I do believe this is that if Christian McCaffrey was black, (laughs) there would not be the same talk about protecting (laughs) him. You know, it's kind (laughs) of crazy. And I'm not saying this because uh, it is weird with Carolina Panther fans. They're like, man, I, I don't hear enough. I want to hear Panther fans saying we got to feed McCaffrey more. That's what I want. I you want know, that
0: talk. Well, you know, if, for Saints fans right now, I don't know. Al Davis must be reincarnated in Saints Twitter because all I'm hearing about is it's not so much feeding Alvin uh, Alvin uh, Kamara more. It's the deep balls back. We're going deep, baby. You know, you just play the NFL films, the Raiders music, and they just want to see bombs away offense. And I'm going, wait a minute, you guys, four years ago, before Kamara got here, were complaining that the Saints don't run the ball enough, that the defense gets worn out because we score too quickly. And yeah, it, it, it's you
2: like that Drew Brees explosive, what oh nine shit. Yeah. Where we could put anybody from this, like the 55 touchdowns. You love that. Jameis Winston comes in and throws five touchdowns in his mm-hmm. starting debut, but really, and this is a, another off color position at this point, a uh unpopular one. I do think you guys were very good on defense. Mm-hmm. I thought that Jameis was efficient as I've ever seen him be, like, yeah. I mean. But at the end of the day, I also thought the Packers were terrible Oh yeah, everywhere. I don't think it was just Aaron Rodgers and this Jeopardy casualness. I thought their defense stunk. I thought everything about the Packers stunk. So how good are the Saints right now is, I guess, my question. I know that is a positive win. It's one of the best mm-hmm. wins. And I don't want to take anything away from it. But how Tell good me. are they? I, I, are, how good are they?
0: I completely agree with you because I think, um, I think preseason and the first couple games of the season are kind of an illusion. You know, I don't think teams are as good or as bad as they look those first couple of weeks, mainly because you don't have those physical practices. You, you don't have the two a days. Um, you, most of your starters hardly play in preseason. I don't think Aaron Rodgers played at all in the preseason. Um, so you know all that chemistry that you see when you're playing week from week to week to week is is not there yet. So it takes two or three weeks before you really start getting a, a feel for how good or how bad a team is. And the Saints moving to go into Jacksonville, it was kind of like a training camp scenario where you can keep all your players in the hotel room. They're not going home to their wives. They're not you know getting on social media and all these other things and you keep them laser focused this is the opening game we got to win this game this is what we're going to do so from my standpoint i don't think the saints are as good as what you saw i think they are good but they're I, not they're not going to and blow people
2: out how not- much is covid and injury going to hurt this team this week <laughs> There's a lot. I mean, there's a long list. Let's start. I mean, we can go down injury. Like, even Mm -hmm. if it was just injury, we could go down this list and it would be um, significant. Mm -hmm. But now we have this COVID story with the coaches and this and that. And then we just got to have the devil, Sean Payton, who probably doesn't (laughs) matter. He probably don't need any of his little minions. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, uh, I saw on Twitter right before I got on the show, it was uh, Curtis Johnson, a wide receiver coach. They didn't say the name, they just said the positions. Uh, the uh, running backs coach, I think, offensive line coach, I think it might be Zach Streef, but it could be the main offensive line coach. So it's not any of the coordinators, but it's assistant coaches, and they were all vaccinated. That's the funny part. They're all vaccinated. that isn't that wild.
2: Oh my yeah. gosh! Isn't I mean, this going to throw a monkey wrench into oh, the NFL well, narrative?
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. In fact, we have, uh, yeah, we, we. It was one player, but uh, they said it was Michael Thomas, but Michael Thomas is vaccinated and he's he wasn't even there, so I don't know. How yeah, he he, like, he's not even.
2: Yeah, he can't. Yeah. He's not going to play for a couple weeks, still. Yeah, right? he's
0: not not until about midseason. Yeah, probably late October, early November. Uh, so yeah, so I mean. There's all kinds of stories going on, uh, but I don't know how this is going to affect the team. You're going to see on game day a lot of assistant coaches um, kind of step up. You know, the quality control guys are going to step up now as, as being the guys hand-singling and things like that into the players. Uh, but it, the coordinators weren't. Um, Peyton obviously wasn't.
2: Uh, Peyton had covid Back yeah we, we didn't we have it wasn't this the like where he had to sit at home and then he couldn't coach yeah, yeah. I feel like it was one of those examples where you almost it was i i feel like they should have let them coach via zoom
0: i uh, you know uh, I think, and I know uh, that's
2: silly too but but how, it almost seems strange it's like we're gonna do yeah. all the training camp by zoom right we're gonna do all this but when it comes to somebody actually getting COVID when it matters, you gotta go sit there and watch it on TV, and then we gotta yeah. watch this silly camera of you sitting in your house watching the game or whatever. Exactly,
0: exactly. So yeah, I know it, it, the whole the whole COVID thing, the way the league handles it. You know, I, I got mad because the Saints got fined a draft pick um, because they was celebrating in the locker room after beating Tampa Bay thirty eight to three, but they didn't have that mask on. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. They just got through three hours. An
2: entire game.
0: Yeah. Sweat all over you from somebody else. You're breathing in people's faces. It's a contact sport. And you're going to find them for being in the locker room with the
2: It's the dumbest
3: thing in the world. There was a uh,
2: here, is, and I'm going to turn the mic over to Cody, but my, I go on the radio, Pirate Radio 1250 every Friday. I've been doing it for eight or nine years at this point. But we're at ECU Pirate Town. Our football is terrible right now. But when ECU basketball was playing, which has also been historically terrible, um, mm-hmm. when they were the basketball games were playing and they just instituted like, all right, we're going to try to play sports with COVID. They would, the guys would come in, they would be playing on the court, right? So they're on the bench. There's only 11 people, right? It's yeah. not like a 80-person roster, right? I mean, right. it's like 11 people they would make it all these the five guy or four guys on the bench five six guys on the bench sit six feet, feet apart mm-hmm. but then they, these guys were all playing in the game and then they would huddle up and time out so they would all pull their chairs into a circle where they <laughs> were two feet apart from each other and then after the huddle they would break back to the six feet. You're like, the six feet don't matter when you're beating right. every two seconds. Exactly. Side side. <laughs> I
3: anyway,
2: know. Cody, I the know. mic is yours, my man.
3: <laughs> well, no, actually, I wanted to turn the the attention back to Jameis Winston. So mm-hmm. as before mentioned, you know, my brother is a diehard Saints fan. And one of the things he said to me is that, Cody, I think we're better off without Drew Brees. And that's something I never thought I would have heard him say. And, you know, you might disagree with that notion. Yeah, but no, no. But, it's it's, but it's a yeah, common... Yeah, so, the and I think one of the reasons why so many uh, people are, are on this kick about Jameis, you know, reinventing uh, that Saints offense, is not just because of the arm talent, but your offensive line gives you the ability to do so. Returning mm. so many starters on that offensive line all of them are pro bowl caliber offensive linemen you guys invest premium high draft picks on yeah. the offensive line that is certainly something i wish the panthers would take uh from our division rival saints is we've been begging for some first round tackles to be taken forever and we're still <laughs> not doing it and still passing on rashawn slater so it, it, it's a whole thing. They trade but
2: away all their picks anyway. My whole, my whole thing <laughs> yeah, is,
3: my, my whole thing is this: w- with that offensive line and Kamara, doesn't that set up a situation where yeah, Jameis doesn't have to be at a you know he doesn't yeah. have to throw the ball fifty plus times a game? I mean, yeah. he can take those those selective deep shots that Sean Payton wants to call, and then they can just go back into back into rhythm. How much different truly is this offense under Jameis Winston rather than Drew Brees?
1: Well,
0: I'm going to say this. Uh, first off, the people who say that this offense is better without Drew Brees, it, it, that drives me crazy because you're just, you know, <laughs> a Hall of Fame quarterback, even with a weaker arm because of age and injury, is still a Hall of Fame quarterback. This was not the case of a guy Struggling to complete passes. He was completing 70% of his passes. Yeah, it wasn't the big vertical game, but he was still completing 70% of his passes. We were still scoring a lot of points. We went 12 and 4. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. But I understand it. It's the new Tory, it's sexy. People like it. You know, the vertical game is back. Um, and the as far as the offensive line, which you were talking about, I, I had said this and I'd heard it from somewhere before everyone wants an offensive line that's built on high draft picks just nobody wants to make those draft picks to do it
2: because <laughs> that is the godforsaken truth yeah because
0: the truth you know when you're when you're looking at that draft board and you're watching ESPN or NFL Network and that music comes on and you're looking at all the skill position players, the receivers, the tight ends, the quarterbacks. You see all uh, pass rushers. You see all those toys up there that like, oh, be so awesome. We could get this guy on our team and do 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 do. And then you see an offensive lineman go. You're like, oh, God.
2: You know, so like who's and they are like, if it's not the only one we know, like yeah. the one or two, it's like who's this guy? Now we got to go try to scramble and learn about him. We haven't yeah. heard about his name. Oh,
0: Twitter totally. instantly explodes. You know what? The, what are they doing? They're wasting draft picks. Look who they left on the board. All those things. And um, yeah, you've got one, two, three. You've got uh, three, three first round picks on our offensive line now. A second-round pick in McCoy who won't play because um, he has a calf injury, and he's at a Pro Bowl level, and then a third-round pick in Teron Armstead. So they're all high draft picks on that line. Yeah, on, on a defensive line, um, you're losing one first-round draft pick, which is Marshawn. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Marcus Davenport. He uh, he injured his pec muscle, but he's going to be replaced by this year's first-round draft pick, Peyton Turner.
2: So how do you guys have so many first round draft picks when you always trade them away? uh, (laughs) I don't understand uh, this. How do you have seven first round draft picks on your team and every year you got trading up? I haven't hit them all. Yeah. Well, we had two in 2015,
0: and that's Andres Pete is still there, the guard. We Uh had two in
2: um in uh by the way, you got a player that's still there six years later. Yeah. We got one of those on our team, Cody. I don't think we do. Well,
0: uh,
3: can't I, I mean, I, I don't know, man. Just, I don't yeah. think we have somebody no. from
2: 2015 on this team. And we but, just yeah, oh, yeah, we- uh, Shaq Thompson. <clears throat> oh, Shaq Thompson. Shaq yeah. Thompson was our number one draft pick. And he had his first good game six years later.
3: Uh- <laughs> yeah, it changed his number to number seven. And that seemed to be uh, a be-
2: great game came six years later. That yeah, seemed
3: to be everything that he needed. <laughs> um, uh, another question I don't hear asked too much, uh, from Saints, uh, or two Saints people, uh, is it, about your receiver position oh. and uh, and Michael Thomas not being there. And no, we'll I, I know easy. you guys expect him to be back later in the season, but uh, you know, who are the guys that are really going to step up in this matchup? Because I am here to tell you, uh, this is a much improved, mm-hmm. at least we feel like, with what we've seen so far that this is a much improved defensive backfield for the Carolina Panthers. We added JC Horn in the first round. Uh that was my number 1 rated corner out of uh South Carolina. We've also heard a bunch of rumors that the New Orleans Saints were very interested in JC Horn during sure. that draft process. Um yep. and they were even looking potentially to even trade up to get him. I don't yep. know if that the was Debo rumors was or
2: not. their guy. Yeah. But um, they but they
0: were they were interested in JC Horn because he's Joe Horn's son. Yeah, Joe Horn was a great player for us. So yeah, there was a lot of truth. Now, you're wondering how we have all these first rounders on the offensive and defensive line. I can't wait to hear it. Look at the receiving core. Voodoo. That's all. Those are all undrafted free agents.
2: (laughs) You have nobody.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean Marquez Callaway, number one. He's he's the receiver number one, undrafted free agent last year. Deontay Harris. Undrafted free agent, the kick returner being converted to a receiver. We got Chris Hogan, who was an ex Patriot. Got him off the lacrosse team. Ex Panther
2: too. Played yeah. for the Panthers for like four minutes.
0: Yeah, and you know that's they got him out there. Ty Montgomery, the ex Packer. What uh, about Kenny a,
2: Stills coming back too? They brought right? Kenny.
0: Yeah, they brought Kenny Stills back. I mean, that's you know they've they've trying to resurrect the career of Kevin White. He's on our practice squad too, uh, so I mean that's that's the payoff, you know. If you're gonna draft a lot of first round, spend a lot of first round. Yeah, Michael on Thomas,
2: one, you got know. Michael was, Thomas. You guys yeah. got more players that are first rounders too. Well, Thomas was, yeah. was,
0: yeah, yeah, was a second second.
2: was a one. So they're just on injury. So it's not like you only are rolling with undrafted. No, I believe no, it's, it's voodoo, bro. You Alan, guys did this because of uh, New Orleans voodoo <laughs> just like you do that stupid ass salary cap how do y'all do it voodoo oh, that's there's Loomis no ma- way that salary camp does not Loomis exist math. no it it's the not. best thing that's Loomis i like math. that guy's math yeah, i mean i hate it from an opponent's perspective but good yeah, god I if i could do good. that math i'd be rich
0: i'd but love it I'd love to get Loomis to do my taxes because I didn't. The government would <laughs> The government
2: would just like fund our podcast for the rest of our. All of a sudden, this podcast brought to you by PBS.
3: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, I, I wanted to go back to to, to the receiving corps. Who's mm. number eleven? On that's all. Uh, d- that's Deontay Harris. Deontay that's, Harris. Okay, so did that, he get two uh, touchdowns?
0: Yeah, based that on what that he got seen, deep, uh, deep one. He got the deep pass, the one. Yeah. Well, yeah, and
3: I, I also think. remember seeing him in the preseason the first time that Jameis got the start over Taysom Hill. He had two really nice touchdowns to Deontay Harris um, uh, later in the game. Do you think that that's a, a key matchup for the Panthers, especially if they're going to be selective in taking those those deep shots? Is that the game plan, just to kind of do your best to run the ball with Alvin Kamara yeah. and, mm-hmm. and then try and catch Deontay Harris? downfield and if so how do you think that plan is is going to work out considering we have J.C. Horn now Dante Ooh. Jackson Jeremy Chin who looked great last year yeah. well, what did you expect this Saints passing attack to look like against the Carolina Panthers uh, he is going
0: to try and lull those guys to sleep with and he's going to set them up for later shots um, A lot, I would expect a lot of short underneath high percentage passing get the safeties to start to cheat up uh, and then take the shot, you know, and Peyton is incredible in his designs with clear out routes and things like that. And everybody can run all, you know, the X, Y, and Z positions. They can run all of them. That's the thing about the Saints receivers. They're not locked into one spot. You know, you'll see Deontay Harris lined up outside the numbers. Next thing you know, you'll see him inside in the slot position and a tight ends lined up outside the numbers. It's all about matchups. And yeah, you guys have a great secondary. Um, Jameis Winston didn't break the century mark for yardage passing um, until he threw that pass to Deontay Harris late in the fourth quarter. It was a lot of high percentage short passes. So I think that's that's going to be the key. It, you'll see a lot of Kamara, another undrafted free agent, uh, Tony Jones from Notre Dame. You're going to see a lot of him. Uh, they're just going to try and run the ball and run the ball on you guys, almost like a Vince Lombardi kind of uh, playbook, and then throw a, tight, throw a pass to the tight end, another undrafted free agent, Juwan Jameson. Um, But just really get that defense, lull that defense to sleep. Um and then take the deep shot once he's got those guys set up.
2: Would you rather hang out with Jameis Winston or Drew Brees? Cody, oh. check the private chat. No. Uh, yeah, we I'm, got one hangout time. We're going to go and hang out one time. Who do you want to hang out with, Drew Brees or Jameis Winston? Jameis will probably be more fun, but
0: because I'm a football nerd, I would probably enjoy hanging out with Drew Brees because I could sit there and talk football with him. Uh, and that would be a lot of fun. Um. Yeah. It. it I. I'm I a huge Drew Brees fan. I've been a Saints fan for. Right.
2: He's great for the city. All this, but I gotta ask but- you this: as as you say that, mm-hmm. what's going on with his hair? Oh God! <laughs> Tell me this. Tell me. I mean, did you see it? Like, I mean, yes. it is. Um. I don't even know what to say. Like, I, I mean, I understand. It's, like, it's, if, you have, a, if you're have, if you super rich and mm-hmm. you're going to be on TV and all this, I get it. But at the same time, we all saw what you were like when you didn't have it. Well, It's, it's a it's, lot. It's, it's different. It's dark. It's yeah. thick. It's, and I heard got, one Saints fan say it looked like ant. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: you know, he has more hair now than he did when he was younger. Uh, when he first came into the league. So yeah, and and it's dark and it looks terrible. I, I think it looks horrible, but he did it. Well, if you end. hung
2: out with him, what would you say? To him? Be like, would be like. Would you we, just would you ask him? You know what I would ask him is, did NBC make you do that?
0: Uh, probably. Or, you know, what the hell were you thinking? Why did you go William Shatner on us? You know, I mean, it, 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 that's a rug. It, it just looks. It, it, it's plugs. It's clearly plugs.
2: But I mean, it just. Does it terrible. influence your decision on who to hang out with? No, 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 All right. no. I just can I enjoyed it too much. Can you cue it up for me? Yeah,
3: okay, right no. here. We're
2: gonna ask this question. I asked you about the hair. I'll be remiss if I did not <laughs> ask you this. Is now we're gonna revisit this question of who you want to hang out with more, Jameis Winston or Drew Brees, one time after we uh I love I, I like Jameis more now. Like I mean, every day I grow to love this guy more and more. Let's hear this clip the of him after the running him.
3: game. Give overall shape to the way this played out, Jameis. I just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said,
2: what did he say? He just told us to be prepared.
3: <laughs>
2: what did he say he looked up he said uh, you know what they my mama told me what did my mama tell me I won't ever listen to her no way anyway anyhow. he didn't even try dude he glanced up at the sky and said nope I ain't gonna remember what yep. my trainer said just be prepared I want to yeah. hang out with Jameis Winston
0: well he, he had another uh, verbal slip up when he was talking He was trying to say combo and tandem, and he got the two (laughs) words combined. He said condom, condom, and it was great, because everybody's like, wait, what? (laughs) So, yeah, I had to pose the picture from uh, The Naked Gun, where uh, Frank Drebin and Brasile Presley are both dressed in full body condoms and falling in bed together you know just you know, there's your condom tandem.
2: i love so, it man because i misspeak all the time so it's not oh, even a too. judgment thing uh, yeah, like i no. like this it endears me to him <laughs> that moment endeared me to him and i hate you guys cody <laughs> final questions for alan before we get out of here tonight yeah, I mean, I'm still I, talk about this stupid keep pounding thing too.
3: Yeah, I basically just <laughs> want to get your opinion on this uh, on on a, on a final score. I mean, do you think uh, the 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 Panthers um, are going to be a stout test for the New Orleans Saints, or are all of these uh, very key players that you guys are missing, like mm-hmm. Lattimore, like Eric McCoy, like Davenport, is that going to be man a difference up. maker in this matchup? You know. It, it,
0: It's funny about this, this, this series. Um, We always seem to do better in Carolina than we do in the dome. If you guys beat us, it's in the dome. Um, So I think that, you know, obviously I'm going to say they're going to win this week. Um, But the, as far as the the injuries and stuff, you're just going to see more guys popping up. You're like, who the hell is that? Where did he come from? And I think that's, I think that's going to be the difference in this game. Uh, I think Winston I don't think Winston throw five touchdown passes, I think you guys will give us a a big challenge because Christian McCaffrey is a huge challenge and they'll be so concerned with McCaffrey that I think Moore and uh, Anderson are going to get free on some plays. Um, So, you know, I'm going to say a 27, 24 kind of game because that's just a feeling I have.
2: What, was, what did Schuler Callahan say? Our Panther insider beat writer for SI, came in here and said uh, 27, 23 saints. Yeah. yeah. So I, look, I look saying, you guys are all on the same thing. We're going to beat their I, ass, Cody. <laughs> I,
3: I hope so, man. I, I just want, I want this to be uh, tough. I feel like the past few years, the, this, Saints Panthers game has been very one sided. I went there with my brother in uh, Week Seventeen when New Orleans uh, uh, came to town. I believe it was the end of that 2019 season, Uh, and the weather the weather was just terrible that day. Man, that was a slog. I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that this can be more competitive. We're definitely more believing in this defensive line um, than we ever have been before. Uh, You know, I'm very interested to see what happens in that offensive interior against our defensive interior we've yeah. been very impressed with daquan jones uh mm-hmm. someone who we brought in from the titans as a free agent davion nixon was a fifth round draft pick out of iowa who's been highly impressive uh and then our first round pick last year Derek brown that's our zero uh zero tech one tech technique uh in the middle of the defensive line who's uh frankly just Come on, Incredible. He's strong. a monster, bro. He was a monster, he a monster
2: last year and just a rookie. Now he's gonna t- show y'all. I'm definitely NFL, interested to see
3: how Derek Brown matches up against um, who is going to be playing center and in, uh, instead of uh, it'll, be,
0: it'll, it'll probably be Caesar Ruiz, who was a center at Michigan and when they drafted him the first round a couple years ago, he'll be back in as a center. And then you'll have probably Calvin Thock Morton, uh, undrafted, free agent at left guard. Um, but you know, the thing about the thing You're you got to be eat, careful. Bro. The thing you got to be careful about, though, don't leave any running lanes open because, yeah, as you saw, you know, Brit, uh, he, you know. uh, almost at Bridgewater Winston, uh, Winston Winston yeah Winston has no problem he looks thinner to
2: me he looks slimmer he, than he did in Tampa yeah.
0: he he has changed he went to Drew Brees trainer he is in he's adopting Drew Brees diets uh he what was in adopt- his
2: attitude what was yeah. his attitude to be prepared
0: yeah to be prepared <laughs> with his mama said be prepared but, I mean he's changed he's even changed the way he. uh he throws the ball. He, he keeps the ball tucked in a lot more uh, just to try and eliminate that kind of elongated throw he had in Tampa. So it, it, it's going to be a good matchup. It really will be. If we can't, if y'all can handle the run and y'all shut down the run and put the pressure on Winston, that's the key for y'all to win because I think Winston having to throw to those kind of receivers um, against y'all's defensive backs if you can get the saints one dimensional like that, that's how you'll win. Because I think that's when Winston regress to what we saw in Tampa, turning the ball over making mistakes and things like that. But if he's comfortable back there, he's
2: not getting any pressure, good running game, then he's going to pick you apart. I'm going to finish this interview with the same question. They finish every interview in the professional world. Do you have any questions for us? (laughs) Uh, And I always tell people, and here is for our listeners, if you're going to a job interview, be prepared for that to be the last question and have a good question. Have a thoughtful question. Don't say, when are you going to have a decision? When am I going to get paid? Just do two seconds of research and look at their website and find something or whatever. But do you have any questions for us as Carolina Panthers fans, as you guys come to our house And we have an underdog mentality where we think we're going to smoke you, homie.
1: (laughs) Well,
0: I know how you guys felt about Bridgewater. What is the vibe about (laughs) Sam Donald? That's awesome. That is awesome. I already know how you felt about Bridgewater. I know. Yeah. But uh,
3: how do you feel about Donald?
2: Cody, you go first.
3: Yeah. I mean, listen, especially if you look at what Sam was able to do in week one, Sam can make all the throws. Yeah. I mean, he can attack downfield, intermediate. He can go through his progressions. Um, the, the key to all of this is the offensive line, and specifically the offensive interior, um, that left guard, center, right guard uh, trio right there in the middle. Uh, I mean, they continue to, to whiff on blocks. Uh, there was a big touchdown pass from Sam Darnold to Robbie Anderson, and if it wasn't for Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> staying back in there uh, for pass protection, that would have been a a dead play. And uh, there were more (laughs) opportunities for Sam to be successful. And we think that Sam can be very successful. Um, I I think even more so than what uh, Ryan Tannehill has done for the Tennessee Titans. It's just we have to pass protect. I mean, we're running the football uh, Mm. pretty well. And a lot of that is to do with Christian McCaffrey. But Mm. our, our pass protecting offensive line, ESPN rated us at the bottom of the NFL at yeah. like only 20, 20% successful snaps and pass protection. So um, we'd have to be so much better at that. But if, if we can do that, Sam is fine. Uh, he has way more arm talent than Bridgewater ever had. He's not afraid to drive the football, you know, and he can play in the, the rhythm of the offense that Joe Brady has set for him. Um, so if, If we can get him some better protection, the sky's the limit this year for for Sam Darnold.
2: I'm not even worried about that, man. Not even worried about the protection. Tell you this is that uh, they were asked when the COVID stuff was about the vaccine protocols came out when it came for the NFL and all the team. We didn't know if players were going to get vaccinated or not. Immediately, they asked the superstars of every team, Are you going to be vaccinated? So what they came out is that both Sam Darnold and Christian McCaffrey said they didn't know right away. Like, you know what I mean? That was their initial response is we don't know. Like we barely know what's going on. So a question was asked by, um, and then both of them got vaccinated. So it's a non-issue anymore. But uh, a reporter comes up and asked Matt Rule about Sam Darnold and his vaccination. He also asked Sam Darnold and they asked him if they, if this would affect him. If, the, if you believe to be an effective leader in the locker room, do you think you should be vaccinated and being an advocate? Matt Rule said this is we don't need Matt, we don't need Sam Donald to be a leader on this team. We just brought him in yesterday, basically. We've mm-hmm. got leaders on this team. We need to worry, we need him to worry about playing quarterback. And the reason I bring this story up is because when you play for a New York Jets team and you're a what number three pick or two, whatever he was, on a terrible team in a media market where they just got Zach Wilson. We played them, and their team still sucks. Well, yeah, Adam Gage is like coach. the pressure. Yeah, I mean, like the pressure is just insane. I feel like this is that as I see Sam Darnold walk around Carolina, as I see him strut out into the podium, as I see him on that football field. I don't know if he's going to be good or great. But I tell you this is the mug is not hating it. The The moment, right? It's the moment is it's easy. Now he just yep. needs to go out there and play. And I tell you this is he went out there and played uh, be, more than adequate in game one. It was a relaxed. It felt relaxed. And what I mean by that is that he checked the ball down when he didn't check the ball. He took a couple shots. Some of them missed. Some of them didn't. I just didn't feel that super pressure on him to be the savior of the organization. And I think all of a sudden that means that he might be able to capitalize on some of the potential he has. So I am rose colored glasses at this moment when it comes to Sam Darnold. I have to be. We have no other choice. Your starting <laughs> quarterback is your, like, if he don't work, then we need to be moving on to next. I mean, we're going to be thinking about next year. Yeah. But I really think this changes scenery for him as he's 24 years old. Yep. I don't think he's broken. I don't think he's broken. As I hear him in the press conferences and I see him out there, I don't think he is broken mentally like some of these players can be in those early phases in the worst of circumstances.
0: Well, you know, it's funny. Everything you just said about uh, Sam Donald is exactly what people are saying about Jameis Winston. Same thing. You know, he doesn't have to be the savior of this team. You've got Kamara. You've got a good defense. You know, you've got a head coach who develops quarterbacks. Joe Brady came from the Sean Payton system. So, you know, I I can see that kind of optimism because uh, that's what you want. You know, get that pressure off of you. You're now the franchise. No, you're not the franchise. You just need to run the
2: team. You just need to be a good player. Now you can, like, go out there and be a good player. All of a sudden become that maybe. We don't yeah. need you to be that from moment one. Well, that's
0: the thing that happens to so many young quarterbacks out there. You look at all these guys that are drafted number one overall or, or in the top five, top ten. You see it right now with the Bears. So much pressure to go play that rookie that, that you know, when Andy Dalton comes out there, they're booing him. They want him out. You know, it's when does, when's the rookie going to start? And if he's starting, most of the reason why you're drafting that high is because you're a bad team. So you throw a rookie onto a bad team with poor protection, few weapons to throw to, and he gets the crap beat out of him. Alex Smith? Won- yeah, Alex. What it was happened just-
2: to Alex Smith. Uh, let's do the first car brother, the Houston one, mm-hmm. who was very good. And yeah. then all of a sudden he had one year. Yeah, he got sacked 70 times in a year. Yeah. And then he was broken from then on. Like and and I mean it was just broken. Like there's no bringing him back mentally. No. From that, Drew Brees may have been on the precipice with that in San Diego with the shoulder injury. He was actually very he was successful in San Diego. But it is it is strange. I hope that he is a reclamation project. And I think his ceiling is higher than that of Tannehill. Well,
0: you know when you look at a guy like a like a Justin Justin Herbert. You know, he has this incredible season with San Diego. Yeah. That everyone expects the quarterback to be a Justin Herbert. And you know, Cody, I know we your liked him. There. He
2: could have been a Panther. He could yeah. have been a Panther, bro.
0: But you know, I know your your school. I'm watching Trevor Lawrence a lot right yeah. now in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence has a really good chance to be a good quarterback, but he also has a really good chance of getting broken. Um you know, urban meyer
2: there and his bipolar ass
0: yeah you know urban meyer is one of these guys you could just decide one day you know what i'm out this isn't what i want to do you know health concerns i'm retiring and you know there they go now we're starting another rebuilding project we got to draft players that fit a new coach's style you know and that's what happens to a lot of young quarterbacks so I'm always excited to see when a new when a a quarterback who is rated very highly coming out of the draft gets a new opportunity to be a starter. Let's see what he can do.
2: So fantastic stuff, Alan. We appreciate your time tonight. You can follow Alan on Twitter at seventy nine Saints. Where else can they find your work, Alan?
0: Um uh, well I'm on Facebook uh you know I, I I'm in all the Saints groups but if you look up my just my name on Facebook every uh after every Saints game I do my good bad and ugly review um you know where I break down the key plays of the game and who did the best who really hurt us and why Troy Aikman sucks as an announcer? <laughs>
2: so, oh, um, I know you guys hate him, man. How about um, this? Is that where was where was Joe Buck and him in that pass interference three years ago? Oh, and he was carrying on about that. They actually called
0: that game, and like I tell everybody, uh, that was one of those nice sunny days where I had my windows open in my house, nice and cool. Well, people three blocks over knew that somebody committed pass interference because that's how loud I was screaming. And it wasn't just pass interference, it was pass effing interference. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, when you tell me I got to get over that game because one call doesn't make a game, and then you go on a tirade about, oh, that was a terrible call. You know, hey, you got to get over it. It, One penalty doesn't make a game, you know.
2: Good, good. Yeah. Yeah. We all hate Joe, but he's better at baseball. That's what I always say. He's yeah. great at baseball yeah. terrible yeah. at football.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank all right. you well, we have, for inviting yeah, me. Yeah, man,
2: we here. appreciate your time so much, Alan. We're going to catch up with you. We play twice a year, so I'm sure we're going to be picking your brain later on in the season, man. We thank you for your time and uh, so best much. of luck to you. Not this Sunday, but the following. <laughs>
0: There you go. Thank or you. So never, you guys? <laughs> same with same with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> right, hey, well, thanks, one thing, one thing we have in common. We all hate the Falcons, so that's always
2: good. Uh, amen. <laughs> uh, amen. Amen. I say it to you. All right. That man, hey, we've had a you. fun show tonight with Schuler Callahan helping us break down uh the Carolina Panthers. We've had Alan Ulrich give us the inside tips on on the uh, Seattle, uh the New Orleans Saints next week. How about next week? We're going to be previewing the Panthers with Josh Klein from Riot Report. The following week, um, we look—I've got interviews lined up for the the entire month already. So we got a we got a lot of things to talk about as we come up. We got the post game coming up, and I almost did it again. How did I have a brain for Nick Carboni? Excuse me, Nick Carboni two weeks from now in the uh, carolina panthers preview so we're going to have beat writers in there asking questions with these coaches like we did with jonathan alexander last night before we get out of here cody we got to talk about this keep pounding thing real quick
3: yeah do you want to so, uh um, do you want to go through the timeline of events on this because this yeah, one oh was, you got uh, it ready okay let me yeah, I mean, I pretty this, much... So the
2: game we had our first home game this past week and all of a sudden this story emerged Right yeah, and so what happened?
3: yeah, so during the Panthers game, as you all might know, if you've ever been to a Panthers game, uh they on the on the big boards, they do the keep pounding chant, and you know, keep pounding they get the yeah whole it's like a signal they do it do it's a panther staple it's it's our motto it, it harkens back to the words of Sam Mills. It means a lot to the team it means a lot to the fans to the franchise means a lot to everybody. Uh, and this was noticeably absent from the game um, against the New York Jets this past Sunday. So this prompted the Roaring Riot on Twitter to put out this tweet. And by the way, shout out to Panthers Twitter, because if it wasn't for Panthers Twitter, I don't even know if this uh, you know, happens, if this is even as big of a story as it is. But the Roaring Riot put out a tweet This is Dear David Tepper, Admittedly, this franchise doesn't have many traditions, but keep pounding is one and it's more than words we yell. Don't take that away from us. Retweet this to show the Panthers how much it means to you that you want it back in the stadium on Sunday. Now, this inevitably prompted a response by the Carolina Panthers. Josh Klein saying on Twitter, a team spokesman says, keep pounding prompt. Will return in week two when the Panthers play Nola. Uh, says team was just experimenting with different approaches to engage the home crowd, still had the keep pounding drummer, and they're not trying to eliminate the keep pounding chance by any means necessary. The pan- uh, Joe Person would later go on to here it comes. Uh, uh, the story elaborate. gets yeah it gets he says, right yeah he says Panther spokesperson says the goal is to have the cute pandan chant evolve to the point where fans don't need any prompting to start it. Team will supply the prompt for the Saints game but not necessarily every home game thereafter And this is interesting man. this has been one of the biggest uh, news stories in in uh, Panther football that just happened over the course of a day. And this is something that people were worried about on Twitter. I know you have your own conspiracy theory that we're gonna we're gonna get It's to not a on.
2: conspiracy theory; it's true.
3: Maybe so, maybe so. Well, why don't you? Uh, well, how about this? I'll, I'll say this: I didn't initially read a whole lot into this. Um, I remember a story that happened uh, a few years, or uh, maybe like a year or so after the pan- after David Tepper purchased the Panthers that apparently there was even some inside talks that uh, David Tepper wanted to change the colors for the Carolina <laughs> Panthers, and I remember hearing that, and I'm like, oh, if that, though, you know, They can't do what that. What do we have on our hand? But the point that it gets me to is, is that, you know, David Tepper, coming from the Steelers, you know, uh, he's bought this team, you know, he's tried to ingratiate himself to the fan base, but a lot of the the, the, the traditions and the things that we love about this Carolina Panther football team are still very new to David Tepper. And I think we take for granted that David Tepper knows and understands all of the things that us Carolina Panther fans hold near and dear to our heart. I mean, he might if know. There's one
2: chance if you've ever been to a game, though. If you've ever well, been around a camp Panthers fan, yeah. if you ever looked at Twitter, if you ever like this, is everybody says keep pounding. Everybody. And it's the most ridiculous thing is I would see a couple of these. So I was looking at when these stories were broke, and i look at the comments, and the first thing somebody would say is, I'm glad because there, there would be some random person who wasn't a Panthers fan. And they'd be like, Keep pounding has sexual innuendo to it, and it could be that's like what kids talk about for date rapers. I was like,
3: "Wait, who sorry. said that?"
2: Yeah, I mean, like random people. You go look at the comments and some of these things, and they, I mean, they and I'm oh, kind God, of just a bunch paraphrasing of it. But it's just like this is that's like it sounds sexual from an organization that's had, you know, I mean, it would just be some it's random sexual if your mind is, is in the gutter and you're a perverted.
3: Right. Idiot anyway
2: all right uh the other thing is is like i don't i don't like that talk or like if tepper is that tone deaf as a billionaire then give me that aoc dress Tax like if you rib- can't <laughs> i mean
3: if you can't
2: even like Would you look wear it on Twitter, the podcast <laughs> yeah if you can't even look at Twitter, like come on like that that's the one thing you want to change out of all the shit uh, thank you for putting the Panther logo. Like he did things that listened to fans in the beginning. So this would be strange. And what if he did this? It's like, he didn't know our traditions and he was like, you know what? I don't like this. Keep pounding thing. I want to do purple towels. Instead that terrible towels. Purple. <laughs> that was awful. You I didn't know, know I was there was you.
3: something uh, Yeah, pur, pur,
2: uh, like cats. Oh. No, Who's I know. Where's he going to change this to the bears?
3: Hey, if Petey Pablo, Robbie has, Anderson that, uh, be uh, Petey Pablo has that uh, North Carolina, come on everybody! So take oh, man, we've off. been
2: saying that.
3: Yeah, dude, I, dude Panthers need to spin a, a T-shirt around. Like, give everybody a free Panthers complimentary T-shirt that everybody gets to swing around at the stadium. Dude, that would be the shit. I've been wanting Let me to do tell that for you. a long time.
2: Let me tell you what's really happening, though, with this keep pounding joint, folks. I'm telling you, this is what's really going on, is David Temper and the Carolina Panthers are taking hostage our chant of keep pounding. They're taking our phrase, they're taking it hostage like a terrorist, and they're holding this chant hostage until David Tepper gets that tax funding for his stadium. And Uh then as you put this statement up and you're like, well, they might bring it back next week. That is the equivalent of making Sir Per hold the newspaper up with the date and the time saying proof of life, proof of life right here. That's proof of life for one week uh, that the Panthers will exist. David temper gun to Panther nation's head. For his stadium. That's my thing. This is just one. What's next? What's he going to do next? He's going to hold back something else. He wants he that stadium, huh? Hold your newspaper up, Charlotte. Sorry. Do you want to keep Sir Per in prison, terrorist prison? Or do you want to keep Pound and Chant back forever? You better pony up them tax dollars to get this mug out. That's the ransom.
3: They're gonna hold them, hold Per hostage online. Yes, they,
2: they're doing it they're right now. His money.
3: Um, yes, I, I the mean, ransom listen, I, uh, is
2: the stadium,
3: dude. And one of the things that I'm, I'm realizing is this story is gonna is not going anywhere, because now the story has become: Can Panther fans on their own prompt the keep pounding chant without needing the board to do so? And I think that maybe like how dug
2: in are they now? Like, are they gonna be like, are you really fan? What if they put up like, are you really fans on the board or something? But see, I'm also I'm also talking about this
3: because I also agree in doing things that bolsters the Panther fandom, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, like I I understand. I don't necessarily agree with the way that David Tepper is going about doing it. But I agree in wanting to have a, a, a an involved Panther fan base. That this you is you know, having it involved. In, 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 this is incredible right. that, involvement. What I'm I don't agree with this David.
2: The like, he just wants to put a McDonald's out up there, dude.
3: Yeah, I don't agree with taking away the prompt. Um, you know, I I also would like Panther fans to do it. You know, just at any random time themselves, which we do. But, um, you know, I, I, I just think that David Tepper is going about this the wrong way. I think if you want to build traditions, you have to make some things. You have to make some changes. You know, uh, Panther fans also haven't been happy uh, with the new end zones. Having the green end zone with the Carolina written in uh, blue in the middle. Like, that's another uh, uh, change that Panther fans haven't necessarily been uh, too keen on. So, uh, I'm just, you know... I'm I'm, I'm hoping... I gotta be honest, man. I don't want to jump the shark on this yet, but David Tepper has done a few things. David Tepper has done a few things that have really um, given me some cause for concern. I I do think he has uh, not necessarily full Jerry Jones, but he does have that tendency where I think he wants to be involved very heavily with the day-to-day operations of the football team. That's why he cut working with Appaloosa uh, management uh, uh, a year or so back, uh, and he really wants to put his own unique footprint on this team. that he just We've seen it. We've seen it good. in the, in
2: these quarterback conversations. Man, he's come back. Yeah. Even in the draft, we three. He said this. We sat down together. I what do you call himself? Like the tiebreaker or something like that?
3: Yeah, something, something like. Yeah. That. No. No. no is that look?
2: Is that um. I am going to root for the eccentric billionaire at this point because he owns our team. But let's just not, we, we did, we were just so excited about this guy who would walk around with the fans and do this stuff at some point early on. I don't know. David Tepper didn't get to he had the revenge mansion. You heard the story about the revenge mansion, right?
3: Yeah, he bulldozed the mansion just to put up his own one or something a house like bigger
2: that. because a guy like wouldn't give him a job earlier, and then he got like bought that dude's house later. Like yeah. let's not he didn't get to the top um by doing people favors, I'm guessing.
3: <laughs> I don't know,
2: I'm telling you, Serper. Somebody check on Sir Purr. I think he's a hostage right now with the keep pounding chant. Charlotte, yeah. get your tax dollars ready. Get yourself a retractable dome. Because he said that domes are a thing of the past. But if you can put a little pinhole in the top, all of a sudden you ain't got to wear a mask. He didn't say that part. I you sort
3: of you know, the, the 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 trend now, Tony, is that or what it used to be, is that a team would just threaten to move to Los Angeles. Well, now there are two teams in L.A., the Chargers and the Rams. And now the story has been that the Buffalo Bills uh, have potentially been interested in potentially moving to Austin, Texas. So this, I mean, listen, Panther fans, as much as I hate to even talk about this, we need to prepare ourselves for the inevitability of this stadium talk that's going to happen down the road. And it's going to involve the city of Charlotte forking out you know, an untold number of millions of dollars to help finance a brand new stadium for the Carolina Panthers. I'm here to tell you that is inevitable. Um, I hope it stays in uptown Charlotte. I think uh, the stadium being a part of uptown provides a breath of life to the city of Charlotte that I don't want to go away. Um, and uh, frankly, you know, the uh, there's, owners are always going to use moving the team as leverage. And you know, the city of Charlotte has already bent backward, bent over backward for David Tepper and bringing an MLS team to Charlotte. Uh, I mean, they, they've already done a lot of things for the Panthers and for David Tepper in the time that he's been here. So this is going to be a story to watch uh, as we go forward, uh, Tony Dunn, in these next few weeks and these next few years. Honestly, this is something that we're going to continue to touch on.
2: You're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast. We're here on Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Friday nights, Saturdays, and Sundays now. Lord, we're all in your brain, folks, taking over the YouTube airwaves. Uh, go ahead and smash the thumbs up button, subscribe. We're on YouTube, obviously. Hitting the little bell notification. We're on Facebook, Periscope Live, when we do these shows. Tuesday night at 9, 4.30, or just in... At, 30 minutes after the game, 15 minutes after game on game days. We have the Friday free-for-all at 7. Um, we've got a lot of content when it comes to beat reporters and interviews coming up on Wednesday nights going forward. So we're going to keep pushing out this content. Uh, but it's also on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you get your audio podcast. I syndicate them the next day. So we appreciate your support in chat room. The number is 252 252- 228 5098. If you want to call into the post game or the Tuesday night show, Cody Lashney, how can they find you? Um, and before I guess like five minutes,
3: yeah. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cody Lack, C O D Y L A C. Um, I'm always really good about following back and uh replying to people who respond to me. Uh, I also write content. Uh, draft content for DraftTech.com, where I am the analyst for the Carolina Panthers. I write first and second round comments for the Carolina Panthers and do some in-depth uh, draft detailing uh, on that website. And listen, Tony already alluded to it, but the Friday free for all is every Friday at 7 PM. And look, look, that's your show. You can come onto the show yourself. I'll put the link to the stream yard. You can come in. You can talk to me and whoever else is on the show at the time and ask us your questions about the Carolina Panthers, give us your thought about the Carolina Panthers, Um, all that stuff, man. This turned into a great uh, opportunity for Panther fans to meet up online and talk about the team that we all love. So, uh, yeah, that's how you can find me. Keep pounding.
2: Thank you for your time, folks. Follow me on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. And guess what is free? Smashing the thumbs up button, telling a friend about the show. Hit me on Twitter, at cat underscore crunk, and say I like the podcast, man. And then I'll retweet it, and it makes everybody's life better. Till hey, then. The
3: subscribe. We're on the road Please. to 4,000 subscribers, or 3,000 subscribers. And we got, we got to get to you first, but we're, on, we're on our
2: way to 30, homie. This year we're taking That's over right. just like that. You know what? We're going to have as many thousands of subscribers as the Panthers put up points this week when we beat that damn New Orleans Saints ass. I think That's we win right. this game, Cody. I think we win this game. I think we're surprised here. I think they're sick with COVID. I think they're, they're off their kilter. I think they're riding a little too high. I think Jameis is over there going, I'm prepared. I'm prepared. And the Panthers are going to sack that
3: ass. You're not prepared, Damus. You're not prepared. You're about to eat this L, not a W. Tony, do you think if we win in a big way that the Panthers are going to get mentioned as potentially one of the better teams in football, even after we not
2: yet? Not yet.
3: Okay. Okay. I
2: think it's going to take two more wins. And I think even if you beat Houston on Thursday, then all of a sudden people are going to start going, man, Panthers are making some noise. But it's gonna take something more than that. I don't think yeah. the I don't think the Saints are enough right now because I think the COVID and the injuries will override it.
1: I mean that's, I think the that's what they'll say. Our- you know what I'm saying? Is will be yeah. like
2: no Lattimore, all of this, I, Hurricane Ida. And that's fine. Give me that W. I eat it like Jameis does. Cody, yeah, let's get def- the hell out of here.
3: Yeah, man. Until uh where we tonight? We're Wednesday. So uh until Friday night at seven PM keep pounding Pounding.
2: oh no fan no prompt by the team no prompt by the team we did it on our own
3: (laughs) we didn't need David Tepper to tell us peace and love y'all have a good night
0: you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need Viator